Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi. Hi. Happy Book Talk Day. Happy Book Talk Day. My eyeglasses just hit the <laughs> microphone. Okay. Please ignore. <laughs> we finished the book. We did it. Yay. Yay. I this thought it was really good. This is our fourth book. Is this our fourth book? It is our fourth book. We're flying. We really are. I thought this was one that I, it was like number one, made for book talk, like divided yeah. into perfect parts to discuss. Mm-hmm. And then it was also just... Jen was telling me that she was kind of in a reading slump. And I was like, oh, this is a good one where as soon as one part ends, you like have to flip the page. Like it's, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later, cringeworthy, but I feel like in the way that you just cannot put it down. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Also really, really, really liked it. Um, liked and hated it. I think it was like. Oh, you love to do that with books. <laughs> I know. I can see myself going back and reading Memorial. I don't think I would go back and read this book again. Um, I don't think I would go back and read Memorial again. Um, I don't know that I would go back and read this one again either. I feel like it was a story I don't need to like go back and find the missing details of. Uh, but I think there's very few books I would go back and read. Mm. Um, we're so excited to talk to our de- guest tonight um, and see her perspective on it. See if she feels yeah. the same. But before we get to that, let's do a quick little recap, get some of our thoughts out, and then we'll chat with her. Alex, we start this section, and Alex tells Amir to break up with Kelly, and then she goes to confront Kelly, and they play a game of which one of us is actually more racist. Um, We find out later that Alex left her baby at home to do this. When she realizes it and freaks out, she sends the video to Lainey to post. The video comes out um, on Amira's birthday while she's at the bar, and everything kind of falls apart. Alex comes back later and offers Amira more money and hours um, and a new job. And they start to kind of form an alliance and they are going to do the news interview. Um, During getting ready for the news interview, we find out it was actually Alex who leaked the video and not Kelly, as we originally thought. Um, Amira ruins the interview and um, but actually gets a minute to say goodbye to Briar. Lastly, we flash back to the locker when Alex um, is cleaning out lockers and she realized in high school that it was not Kelly's fault that all those kids came over to her house, and yet she do, did nothing about it. Um, and then the book ends with one more flash forward and we see that everybody is kind of okay. Amira sees Kelly at the market um, and sees Briar there as well and everyone's kind of moving forward in their lives with this story behind them. What did you think of that ending? Also, that was the longest summary I've done, so... <laughs> Wow. (laughs) A lot wrapped up. I, we guessed that we would learn more about the characters and we got the reveal of both characters of truly how, how shitty Alex is because she knew all along that Kelly did not uh, give the letter to Robbie, that Robbie had the letter himself. And I actually wondered, it's one of those things like, why did we know Robbie's last name when we know so few people's last names? And now it's like, oh, it makes sense because both of their last names start with C. She found, like, she knew then, and she chose to hold that in. Um, And continue telling the same story. Right. I get that decision in high school. Like, I can empathize with making a decision like that at the end of your high school because, like, what good would have done to be like, oh, I was wrong. Like, she's cleaning out lockers in the last day. But to keep telling that story to yourself and everyone else and then have it continue to impact what you, who you see Kelly as, I feel like is where we see who she really is. I don't know if I feel the same about Kelly. I mean, we have Kelly 
with a new girlfriend who doesn't seem like she's very much like Amira at all, other than the fact that she's also black or mixed, um, but mixed race. But it just doesn't seem like... I don't know. I still feel like at the end of the day, I think I'm more settled on Alex being like the main villain of this story, um, especially after all the meddling that she does in this last section. For sure. Um, Levi, I would love to hear how you disagree with us on that point, as we know that you do. <laughs> but I agree. I think, I mean, I don't think, I think Kelly's got a lot of room to grow and I don't think him and Amira, like I'm glad they didn't end up together. I'm glad that's not how the story ended because I feel like, he had too far to grow, and it wasn't really her time to help him do that, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But I still feel like he didn't do anything, and he stands by that the whole time. He's like, I didn't do this high school party situation. I didn't cause this. Um, now, did he handle the situation perfectly? Obviously not, but, like, it was in high school. Um, I I do feel like he's got some room to grow, but I think the villain of the story is Alex, and the key story really is Alex and Amira. What did you think about her kind of ending with Briar, her saying goodbye to Briar and her seeing her later at the market? I like love the ending line. It's so like snappy and also shows that Amira recognizes exactly what um, Alex had done to her, which is the line of like, well, if Amira, if Briar can't figure out how to find herself, she'll probably just hire someone to do it for her. And it's that realization that like, oh, I recognize what Mrs. Chamberlain was doing all along was just like trying to figure herself out. And she projected that all onto me. Um, I'm glad that we find out towards the end that Amira is okay. Yeah. And has like landed a great job. With a supportive boss. We love that. Who knew? No, I'm happy for Amira. I feel like she came into herself too in this book and is still... I also liked how Kylie kind of kept true to her characters. Like Amira did not become some CEO with two kids by 30 and a a carbon copy of Tamara. She is still very much who she is. And I feel like even in her job as an assistant, she's like, no, I'm, I'm good, but thanks. And it's fine. Like, that's fine. That's still success. You're okay. It's okay to, for that to be your measure of success. And I liked that she didn't like wrap this up with a little bow of Amira being a carbon copy of the other successful black woman. Yeah, my friend um, Mary, who had read this over the summer, said that she, at the end of the book, found it kind of frustrating because she thought there was like more that um, Kylie Reed could do with this book. And I think this stems from her not being super explicit about what we're supposed to take away from this book. Similarly to like, who is the villain? Who are we supposed to dislike in this scenario? Um, I think she leaves it up to us which I tend to prefer. I don't really like when authors like editorialize too much and tell you exactly how to feel. Like we'll get into this later, but I think different people come away from this book feeling differently because it's left up to us to read into these characters. And I feel like I usually don't like books that end with no, like that aren't as prescriptive. Um, But I think... And that's, I think, part of why I didn't, like, love Memorial. <laughs> but I I liked that this one ended, in, and it is murky because I felt like it felt very realistic that a lot of times situations that people are in are not as black and white as overt, like, extremely violent racism that we see. But I feel like a lot of 
a lot of these situations happen kind of on the sidelines in this more murky area, like whose fault is it really and how much responsibility should they take and how bad is it really? And I feel like those are the questions that are harder to get down into. And we still see there's no like poetic justice at the end. You know, Kelly doesn't suffer any consequences. Alex doesn't suffer any consequences. She sends like 30 pages to her editor and is fine. Um, and I think that's, that's also, also realistic. real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's probably hard as a, an author to not give your characters the ending that you might want for them, but instead to kind of just be realistic about what probably would happen in this scenario. So I liked that, that, that we both like got to know what happens in the end. And also it wasn't so exciting. You know what I mean? There wasn't like a huge twist in the end, like surprise Alex and Peter got a divorce, you know? For sure. Let's do like a our rating, like our final like. Okay, yeah, let's do a rating. Okay, what do you think? Are we rating it on a scale of one to 10 or one to five? Out of 10, I, I like 10 because it has more gradient. Um, mm-hmm. I would give this book a an eight. Ooh, I would agree. I think I would have read it much faster. This oh, is yeah, similar. I can't remember what book. Maybe it was Read at the Bone that yes. we talked about this. But I really think like sometimes slowing down and going through a book and really thinking about each of the scenes, it just totally changes how much you appreciate like the layers that the author put into it. Like I feel like there were so many layers in this book that Kylie gave us and like such interesting characters in every part there was like a big reveal um that just deepened the story so I loved it I did too I thought it was it was like such a good page turner I do know this would be like a book like if I was at the lake I would have read this in a day because it was like I on the back of her book I'm staring at it right now it says Kylie Reed writes with a deceptively easy prose and I feel like that mm-hmm. is that is a good point. Like it is deceptively easy. So I feel like I would have just flown through this, um, and especially because the end of every part was such a page turner. Um, but I think this is why I love doing this podcast because there are so many intricacies to this writing, to this story, and to the experience of Amira in the world and of Alex in the world. That if we hadn't taken the time to like dig into them and to like critically think about it. Um, and to have that conversation with Marisha too, like I feel like I would have gotten so much less out of this book having not dug into all of that. It reminds me of reading books like in high school or middle school when you read like a chapter a week and you have to do like a book report and write, you know, all these activities mm-hmm. with it. And then I feel like because I read so fast, sometimes I like read a book, set it down, do something else, pick up another book and like really don't sit with what the story is trying to tell me. So, and that's why we yeah. do book talk. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Cool. I okay, love it. So um, we have a week off, right? And then. Um, yes. But in our week off, we're not really off. Right? <gasps> oh. <laughs> surprise. Oh, okay. We so, have a special episode coming for you. Yes. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Special app. Um, we recorded this after Erica um, posted on Instagram that she love hated a book and that I loved it um, and without discussing it. So I was like, um, put me on the calendar tonight, girl. I have feelings. <laughs> this is a very, very buzzy book. I didn't hate it. I love hated it. <laughs> Next week, you'll hear a special one-off episode about Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuinston. Mm-hmm.
which I still, I just loved that book. Um, I did. I loved it. I also think like you made me read a murder mystery and it wasn't a murder. Well, it was. People died. And I don't know. I had read like a couple other like dark books and I just like needed that little lightness. Yeah, we needed it. This was also like at a dark time. Not that things have gotten dramatically better since then, but yeah. Yay! So we have a special episode coming for you on Valentine's Day, Red, White, and Royal Blue. I hope you enjoy that. In the meantime, make sure you get your copy of The Push and check our Instagram for the schedule. I think if I remember it right, the first week we're reading pages 1 through 76. I think that is actually correct. Wow. Oh my god. (laughs) Yay! We're so excited for our guest tonight, and I'm going to let her introduce herself to you. So, hi, everyone. Um, My name is Marisha. I am from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, Obviously, I'm a huge, huge, huge bibliophile, and I'm really happy to be a part of this podcast. Um, But I've been in love with books uh, ever since I was a little girl, and they are the one constant thing in my life that never lets me down, so... Oh, and I have a really cute puppy. (laughs) Really cute puppy who just sits and watches me read all day, every day. He tore my books up one time and then he never tore them up again. (laughs) What's his name? His name is Kato and he is a Corgi Pit mix. Oh my gosh. (laughs) A Corgi Pit mix? That's so cute. He is a weird little Ewok of a fellow. (laughs) So our first question, Kylie is quoted saying, sometimes he'll pick up my novel and say, it was so cringeworthy, I loved it. And sometimes they say, it was so cringeworthy, I hated it. Those cringeworthy moments affect you a certain way. And as long as I'm getting that effect, it's a successful read. So did you think the book was cringeworthy um, in a good or bad way? And then what function does it being cringeworthy have in this book? That's a good one. Um, I think there were definitely moments when I was reading the book where I don't know if I necessarily cringe as much as I did, like, had to pause and scratch my head um, because, wow, like, I really just read that, but not in a cringy way, if that makes sense. I think, if anything, it was Alex's behavior and sometimes Kelly's behavior that I found I guess in the sense of cringeworthy, the most cringeworthy in the book because I... In my walk of life, I feel like I know it, Alex and a Kelly. Kylie wrote Alex and Kelly so well that they're so realistic. I, I too feel like I know them. Like, I know that exact person. Speaking of Alex, <laughs> um, Kylie has also said that white women and black women have different feelings about Alex in particular. And usually it's white women who hate her and black women who actually have empathy for Alex. Um, how do you feel about Alex and, um, do you have any theories about why she elicits these different reactions in people? I mean, if I'm the only one, I did not feel empathetic towards Alex. (laughs) I found myself increasingly annoyed at Alex, but only, I have this, this is, I talked to another bookstagrammer about this, but I have this kind of weird theory about some white women so hear me out but Alex is definitely one of those white women that I think she's a collector 
And in in the novel, I felt like she collect or she attempted to collect Amira, um, and and so she aligned she aligned herself and did these different things to make Amira or make herself more enticing to pull Amira in, if that makes sense. And and because she kept constantly doing this throughout the novel, I found her incredibly annoying because it just was like a, a tapping and like she just would not stop. Um, until she elicited the reaction from Amira that she was looking for. In terms of, I, I'm not really, like, I'm not white, and I can't speak for why white women hated her, but I would make the assumption that it's because, again, like it was already pointed out, she represents the worst in what could um, be in a white woman and their actions, and everything was completely uncalled for. Like, there was no justification for her behavior. Right, especially as we found out more and more about yeah. her behavior and got throughout the book. Yeah. I feel like I, too, is getting, like, increasingly annoyed or just, like, she – I think we talked about this, like, collection thing in a, in a different way as well, or maybe in the same way, how she's, like, counting mentally in her head, like, how many black people are going to be at her Thanksgiving table so she can, like, almost check that off mm-hmm. and be like, look – Mm-hmm. At how diverse my life is but just because you know not because she truly I think part of her did truly like want Amira in her life but I think a lot of it is this like disingenuine and she wanted it's a that's a actually a good question like what did she want from Amira because mm-hmm. Amira doesn't want to be her friend um they don't really have a ton in common and it's like she sort of has the envy because her other friends are friends with their nannies I think she also feels like she has to make up for like the surprise that she experienced when she first opened the door and saw Amira and Amira like noticed her being like, oh, wow, okay, you're a black woman. And then she's like, oh, wait, you're actually the best and you're amazing and I love you and I want you to be my best friend. It's like she overcompensated for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But what else do you think she like is doing through this collection? Like, do you think she's trying to fill something in herself? Is she trying to fill something in her image? Is, you know, what what's the motivation behind that? Yeah, I mean, I would think that it's more aligned with the image concept. I mean, I think it's all about uh, how other people perceive Alex as she navigates in the world. Um, I don't know necessarily that I think if it comes to a point where you literally can start counting, then I have to question why you align yourself with people of color in the first place, right? Like, if if you're in a space where you are trying to count or you are cognizant that you have X number of people of color in your life, then I don't know that necessarily that that's always rooted from a good place. Um, and that's what I got from Alex. And then you know, like once she realized that Kelly and Amir were in this relationship, I, I believe that her intensity in the collection was very, very like she was very adamant about keeping Amira for her and taking Amira away from Kelly. Like Kelly couldn't. And I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that Alex and Kelly were romantically involved. I just think in Alex's eyes, Amira belonged to her. And it didn't make sense for Kelly and Amira to be involved in any way, shape, or form because Amira belonged to Alex. I think, and she explicitly, I don't know if she says, like, Amira is mine, but I feel like at some point she at least alludes that, if not directly says that in relation to, like, Amira and Kelly's relationship. Um, Yeah, I think it definitely has more to do with, 
Amira wanting, or I mean, Alex wanting a mirror for herself and also Alex wanting to be like the good white person who Amira mm-hmm. wants to be with and wants to be friends with rather than Kelly. Cause they're kind of like at odds throughout the book. Mm-hmm. So throughout the book, we have a lot of examples of female friendships. Um, what roles do you think that these relationships play in the book? Um, and what do friendships or especially female friendships mean to you? Um, I mean, my female friendships, they are my family. Um, and so I, I, they're precious to me. And, and that understanding of the definition of being a friend, though, I don't know that I necessarily picked that up from the friendships in the book, especially between Alex and Tamara, I think is her name. Um, I think, again, Tamara was a placeholder for Alex, for her to be able to navigate in the world and be like, I know this black person. Um, And even Tamara, like I found Tamara's character to be problematic because I think she she was a different type of black woman than Amira was, if that makes sense. Um, I just don't think that they had the same issues and even the way she talked about Amira was problematic um with Alex so I don't know that I would necessarily say that they were friends in the genuine sense of the word as more as out of like it seemed more based out of convenience more than anything else um and I forget Amira's best friend so forgive me it's been a while since I've read it Zara I do think that I think that they were friends with each other but I even think that there were like times where it felt like Amira withheld information from Zara. And, you know, like in the space of being friends, is that really how you navigate through friendships with people? Like, is it, do you omit information from a friend? Do you only tell this friend something and not tell that friend? Like what, why would there be a difference in the way you navigated in those friendships with each other? I hope Amira like grows into trusting Zara too, because I feel like Zara a couple times maybe trusting her and also being more open. I feel like a couple of times Zara like gets her or is there for her. When Amira shares information, she's kind of like, okay, like I'm, I'm still here for you, but Amira is still withholding it. So I don't know where that comes from and her kind of like, maybe they're not as close cause she is kind of withholding the information from her or how she's truly feeling. I do want to talk a little bit more about like the friendships between Alex and Tamara and this being like their interracial friendship. Um, what did you think, you alluded to this a little bit, but what did you think about the character of Tamra, how she treats Amira in that like really awkward conversation where they're rolling the silverware? Um, and do you have a sense for why Kylie included this character in Alex's life? Yeah. So I, I was almost annoyed with Tamra as much as I was with Alex. Um, cause I think my, my assumption and why she included her is because I think it was supposed to show the readers how there are these differences in, you know, black women and the lives that they lead. I understand that Tamara was from another, like another country, but, you know, from the person looking on the outside, if Tamara doesn't speak, she still looks like Amira, right? Like no one knows that she's from a different country, but yet they live these drastically different lives and even Tamra, like, in my opinion, like, passed a lot of judgment that you wouldn't think 
um, another woman who looked like Amira would pass on her. So I found her character to be incredibly problematic um, just because, I don't know, you just, you want to think that that doesn't exist. You want to think that the, that Tamara would serve to be the person to check Amira, to let Amira, oh, not Amira, Amira, Alex, and let Alex know that what she was doing was problematic and wrong. And instead, I feel like she wasn't that person that, you know, I expected her to be as the reader. So I think that Reed included her just to show that there are black people or people of color who are sometimes problematic in their judgments too. It doesn't always lie with, you know, a white person. It was just an interesting, like their friendship was so interesting in the way that she enables Alex almost to do these like terrible things. And it's almost like when friendships go bad, it's like when friendships are bad, they almost can enable your worst impulses because your friends are such a reflection of you. And that can be like a really good thing. It can also be a really bad thing if they're too much like you because, you know, we see like her friends at the brunch helping her decide to like ruin someone's relationship. And you're like, okay, this is a time where you need a real friend to be like, what are you doing? This seems like a little crazy. Um, And we get hints of that in the beginning when her friends are like, by the way, like, are you like doing okay? Because you look like you gained weight and maybe you should like drink some juice instead of being like, are you doing okay? Because like, I don't think you're writing and like you're browsing social media all day. Like, but you know, I don't know. That's kind of more realistic sometimes because it's a hard role to be the friend who would speak up and say like, hey, actually, I think that what you're doing is wrong. Or, hey, are you actually doing okay because of these like deeper things? Yeah. Do you think Tamara thought what she was like? That's an interesting point because you're like, she wasn't the friend who spoke up and said, do you think what you're doing is wrong? Like, hey, to check her. Did we get the sense that Tamara truly believes that Alex is in the wrong and like, just is not standing up to her or, I mean, I guess as I'm saying that I'm remembering like Alex is telling them a story that she Mm -hmm. wants them to believe, which we all do also when you want the support of your friends. So maybe that's it. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think Tamara had has to navigate in the world in the same manner in which Amira did. And so those things don't matter to her. Mm -hmm. Right. And we also see everyone trying to like tell Amira what to do, even though like, (laughs) As Erica said before, like she's a person with autonomy who can make decisions and who knows what's best for herself. And everyone in here, including Tamara, but especially Alex and mm-hmm. Kelly, are trying to tell her, you know, what what they think is the best decision she should make and influence her to make that. Um, so there have been a lot of conversations <laughs> and or TikToks <laughs> of white men hating on white woke women, women, ugh, white woke women. Uh, which is um (laughs) right which is kind of obscuring the valid criticisms that people of color make about white woke women so we kind of see that with kelly and alex um who are two white characters in the story really making themselves the center of the story and putting a mirror in the middle of it kind of like i was talking about um how do you feel about kelly and how does he kind of mirror alex's character in the book so (laughs) I think I had, in the beginning, I had like a a love-hate relationship with Kelly. And then the love dissipated. Um, (laughs) 
Such a good way pretty to put qu- that. <laughs> pretty quickly, um, because I, I grew increasingly annoyed with him. Like, I, I, I will be the first to admit that I struggled with his videotaping of the incident. And I struggled with him keeping the video of the incident. Um, and there was, like, the, even on the end of this now, like a year after reading the book, I feel like in a lot of ways, him and Alex moved the same way. His just looked differently because I think in his defense, Kelly could get away with it because he aligned himself with black people and black culture. And I I even feel like there was a mention of whether or not he was fetishizing um, Amira, which I think he was, but a lot of, I will say the women, when we met in book club, they didn't think that he was doing that. They thought that because he grew up around um, black culture and black people, that this was just who he was. But I struggled with Kelly because I felt like because that was his background, he thought it gave him a pass or he thought that it gave him the right to move the way that he did with Amira. Um, And again, like, I don't think in the same way that Alex was trying to collect Amira, like, I don't think it's the same way, but I do think in some ways Kelly was also trying to collect Amira because it's another black woman on his, not right. Like it's another black woman that he's been with and he can go and brag to everyone about this now. And this black woman, like he videotaped this and I don't know. I just felt like Kelly had more to gain from that than Amira did in that interaction. Um, and I, I thought that there, like when Kelly and Alex were confronting each other about it, it honestly was like probably the one time where I just wanted to throw the book because I was exasperated with both of them. <laughs> like, I couldn't deal with either one of them anymore. Yeah. They're just so like the two of them like sitting at a table yelling at each other about who was more racist it's like okay how about you both just stop yeah and also you know just both of them being in Amira's ear about how she should feel and what she should do it's like well neither of you are her and she can probably figure out how she feels and you don't need to tell her what to do because anyone Um, asking Amira what she wants to do or how you can I think I mentioned this yeah they're just like no one's asking Amira what what she wants and then supporting that they're just like assuming that they know better for her what what would be good or what would be successful or what she should do. Because it was never about Amira. That's the problem. They censored right. their whiteness and all of it. Mm-hmm. It was about them, not Amira. And honestly, right. that that videotape, they boasted to gain more of it, more from it than Amira did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. she recognized that from the beginning of like, I this is not... I, I think she obviously understood, like, mm-hmm. what the video would be and was like, it's not worth it. Like, it's not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the end, I'm glad that she got some benefit out of it. Like, she got – at least it revealed how Alex really was, and it kind of allowed her to, like, get out of that situation. But, you know, she also feels, like, bad then about, like, getting these job offers and getting increased hours because – I think she recognizes it's like it's from the attention and that's not how she wanted to earn the promotion or earn more opportunities. Um, Yeah, that was heartbreaking. I I kept wanting to give Alex like the benefit of the doubt. Um, And then when she sent the video, it was like, okay, this is like way, (laughs) way beyond at this point. 
She made it um, And knowing, knowing <laughs> to really hide did. it, knowing to log out. She did, like, a couple yeah. of extra searches to, like, hide her tracks. Like, she knew it was wrong, Ugh. and she did it anyway. But one of the things that Kylie talked about with her motivations for this book is how it deals with kind of sometimes the more insidious ways that racism happens. Like, this weird way that Alex and Kelly both put Amira on this pedestal. How does this, like, type of uh, racism cause its own like unique pressure and have you ever experienced something like this and do you think this is like kind of a common experience that black people are dealing with in 2021 I mean I think like personally I've experienced this in some way not in the whole I was videotaped in a grocery store type thing or like I'm a nanny but I do think that I have I don't know necessarily if I would put it as putting a mirror on a pedestal. Um, I think it's just, it's more about the alignment with a mirror and what that looks like to other people, like her, them being aligned to this girl who, for all intents and purposes, I probably wouldn't be aligned with. Um, like I, you know, like if I could visualize the characters knowing Alex and knowing Tamara, it would be more likely that those two would be aligned than it would be for Amira and Alex to be aligned. And I, I felt like that was what her, her fixation was. Like Amira was like this cool black girl and she wanted that proximity to her. Now what that meant for her, I don't, I don't know, but I, I definitely feel like maybe I've been in situation. I don't know necessarily that I would say that I'm this cool black girl, but I do think that, you know, like there have been times where I felt like people have aligned themselves with me. Um, and you know, like if, if I'm being really honest, it's in situations where I'm the only, um, kind of like Amira was to Alex. She was the only um, and so, you know, that it doesn't feel good, um, that that's where we are, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel good. Um, and so I think it ends up causing unintentionally this sort of distrust because you, there's always going to be like something in the back of your mind that makes you question, like, why is this person trying to get close to me? Or why is this person, like, if, if this is what their life or their circle looks like over here, then why are you trying to align yourself with me? Um, and, it, you know, it's a pretty crap way to navigate through life thinking like that. But <laughs> I think that's the reality of the situation, you know, like Alex and Kelly's racism is a covert covert racism and one that unfortunately many white people don't realize that they are doing um and I think you know like I hate uh, I, I like what happened at the end of the book but I hate that it took that to happen for Alex if she realized that what she was doing was problematic like I hate that it couldn't be that Amira could just say to or Alex, like they could talk about that incident and then it'd be done done with. I understand that's not what the book was was supposed to be, but you know, like I think in these spaces when we're talking about race and racism and whether or not like I have felt your racism against me, I'd like to think that people can sit down and have that conversation and it not be this thing. I love that um 
you know, the way you describe it as covert. Um, Kylie also talked about how sometimes the, like, the, the covertness can actually make it more psychologically frustrating for her because she leaves the experience and is like, wait, that was weird, right? Was that weird? Did I feel weird? What was that? And it actually can stay with her for much longer um, in her experience because she just goes over it in her mind. Like, why did this happen? What did mm -hmm. this mean? And am I crazy? Did I just make that up? Or was that like weird? Um, I do think what Kylie does really well in this book is put us in that position where we're like, wait a second, is what Kelly's doing weird? And it's kind of like, we just have to sit with that until like the mm -hmm. very end of the book. Um, when we find out he has a black girlfriend now who is very different from Amira. And then you're like, okay, yeah. So it does seem like it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying, I think that is that's what you're talking a lot about with this book is like, it's not clear exactly how she wants you to feel about any of these characters, especially in the beginning. And you have to kind of sit with the fact where you're like, this feels uncomfortable, but why is it uncomfortable? Or that feels like that wasn't with the best intentions, but in the beginning, especially you can't see all the way through why it truly was bad intentions until kind of it wraps up at the end. So I kind of like that she makes you sit with those, with that uncomfort and figure out, where it's coming from well I mean I think that's the way it works anyway I mean I, I just in in what you just said I thought of an incident where like I was the only black person around and I was with a group of white people and someone said something racist and in that moment it was literally what you both just described like it was weird but I think to Kylie's point there comes that situation, that point where you're like, okay, if I say something, I'm the only black person here. And then it becomes this whole big old thing. And there's no one here to like talk. Like there's, it's not going to go anywhere. And so then you sit back and you wait for a white person, like in the group to say something and then nothing comes. And so I think like what you just described is what happens in those moments. Like not only is it weird for me being the only like, I have to police my tongue now because if I say something, I'm going to blow, you know, like it's going to blow into this big thing. But I also need you to do something right now. And you're not doing anything. So everyone leaves that space and it's super weird and no one talks about it. Um, and I, I can remember a time where honestly a, that happened and the really close friend of mine in that group that it happened with, we didn't discuss it until literally last year when everything was happening with Black Lives Matter and everything, but that's when it came to head, and this was years ago that this occurred, but to Kylie's point, racial trauma is real, and you carry it around with you. It doesn't go away. You're, it, it, it's either going to be triggered, or, you know, like, it's going to come up some way, somehow, but it's always there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing good to say after that. It's just, it's true. And we just have to get better. I hope the past like couple of months that white people have gotten more used to having the conversations, at least thinking about it and practicing talking about it. I know for me, it was like, you know, through education, I'm in grad school. Um, you get a lot of practice talking about like, where does race come from? What does it mean? People say race is a social construct, but what does that even mean? What's a social construct? 
And then just being able to say like black people, black women, like white people, white women, my whiteness, what does that mean? Like the more you practice it and the more you talk about that language and that framework, like it gets easier and then it gets easier to call people out. And if you call it out in the moment, it's so much easier. Like, hey, that that comment was ableist, for example. That's my most recent examples having to say like, we don't say that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, if you just address it right away, it's almost... I don't know. I found it gets worse for me if I like stew over it. And it's always much more uncomfortable if I like come up with a PowerPoint presentation to like tell someone why what they said was wrong. (laughs) Instead of just like in the moment being like, what was that? We don't do that anymore. And even for myself, like, what was that? I just said, I don't, you know, I, I don't say that anymore. And okay, now we can move on. Yeah. I think definitely calling out in the, I mean, the only thing I'm relating this to in my head right now, I is like using people's correct pronouns or like LGBT community. I feel like we were just in a training talking about that. Like if you, if you mess it up and you say it and you're just like, like today in a, in a random call, someone was like, he, I mean, they did that, blah, blah, blah. And kept moving. And like, they immediately corrected, didn't make it a big deal. That person was like, okay, they like knew corrected themselves. I didn't have to do it. I didn't have to educate them. And they also didn't make it a big thing where then I had to like console them for them feeling bad. So obviously two different things, but kind of the same thing. If you can just, or if someone else could step in and be like, actually it's they, oh, perfect. They said this and then you just move on or stand up for it. And sometimes there needs to be more of a conversation with that. But I think it's the same thing. If you let that, if you let that go, if you just let somebody say something racist, as is a white person, you just let somebody say something racist. If you let someone use the wrong pronouns, whatever, you're just perpetuating it it's all about unlearning yeah it's all about unlearning and all of us have to do it honestly so absolutely all right here's to unlearning more in 2021 (laughs) (laughs) okay we usually wrap up by asking our guests what else you're reading right now so what else are you reading or what other some good books you've read recently that you'd recommend yeah so last night I started Alyssa Cole's when no one um, is watching and if you've not read it, it is, it's an interesting take on gentrification, um, but kind of with a get out spin, if you've seen that Ooh. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm determined to finish it tonight because I need to know what happens. But yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, while we're having this conversation about race, it's, it's very, very interesting because normally she writes romance novels um so this is a psychological thriller of hers Ooh, but yeah it's good it's good <laughs> i don't read a lot of psychological thrillers but that's what our next book talk book is is a, <laughs> also a psychological thriller so i mean i guess i'm going to now <laughs> someone picked that out of a jar it was not me so. <laughs> uh well it was so great having you where can our yes. listeners find you yeah, so I am on Instagram, handle black underscore bibliophile. Black is B-L-K-G-R-L underscore bibliophile. So, yeah. They can Google how to spell bibliophile. I had to think about, like, what I was like, that's not your Instagram handle at all. You We'll also post your Instagram handle on Thank our you. story and then you can reshare it as well on yours. So Thank you. Because that was tragic. So. <laughs> Perfect. 
perfect. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you guys for the opportunity. And also, I just want to yes. say thank you for, like, you know, having this conversation. I think it's really important. Um, and I think it's amazing that you guys are doing this. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, it's so nice to meet yeah. you. You too. You too. <laughs> Bye. Happy Bye. rest of your night. Bye. Talk, 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 talk. I started reading this book last night. I'm 98 pages in, so let me tell you. But it's so stupid, and I can't put it down. Okay, but for three nights in a row, I read Obama's book until I fell asleep, and then I literally kept waking up dreaming of, like, voting for the Iraq war and, like, just, like, you know, I was like, this can't be the before You're living book. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So – I found this book on my bookshelf called Holidays that I had gotten in like a book of the month package or something. And I read 20 pages and I was like, not for me. And I read it last night and I was like, this is not for me either, but I'm going to finish it. It's, it's so interesting. It's like those girls like stuck in a deja vu time lapse. She's in love with her like high school, her crush from childhood. And she keeps repeating the same day over and over again. Oh my God, Katie. <laughs> what? You, know t- you know, today is Groundhog Day. I didn't actually, so maybe I'll repeat this day too. <laughs> oh my god! What a, talk about timing! What a weird book to start reading the night before Groundhog so Day. Creepy. That's honestly quite terrifying. I would ju- I would not touch it today. Honestly, I'm too superstitious. I mean, I have to finish it <gasps> tomorrow. So I'll be reading it tonight. Finish mm-hmm. it tomorrow. Okay. No. <laughs> What's the worst that happens? I repeat the day. I had no okay yes. day. Then we're going to do this interview like five times over and over and over again as it as it just slowly unravels each time. Yeah. Oh, because that is what happens. Like her, she tries to change things and then like it unravels. No, no. It's, you can't change things. Uh-huh. It's Mm-mm. a butterfly effect, baby. Dan and I watched this movie um, that I think I, I think I shouldn't watch. I feel like if you have like any... <laughs> Any hint, any hint of the type of mental illness where you're like, wow, my grasp on reality is actually incredibly thin and I could lose it at any moment. Don't watch this movie. Um, oh, my it's, God. What's the movie? It's called Coherence. Um, oh, yeah. That being said, it's really good. It's basically like all these friends go to a dinner party and then weird stuff starts to happen. And I don't want to say anything else beyond that. <laughs> um, it's not like gruesome. It's like really like a scary movie that you could actually probably watch because like no I don't know though because did you watch Black Mirror? Yeah, of course. Okay, well I didn't. You know, shocking. Um, but I watched like an episode or two when we were flying, which I'm not a good flyer. I do it a lot, but I don't. I really don't like it. So I have like a lot of really anxious tendencies, and one of them is not to watch anything remotely freaky on the plane. But Jason was watching it. And I was like, okay, I'll just like tune in. I have like a headphone in. And it is just like, it's almost too, it's not, the episode I was watching is like not too gory and not too whatever, but it's almost like too close to potentially happening. Which episode? Do you remember what was happening in it? No. Um, is it well, the one, one where everybody like, has like the score above their head? Their like likability mm, score? 
No, this was one that you had like a chip in your, like a memory chip that you could go back through and like watch your memories. Oh. And finds out the person's like oh. cheating. Yes. And, then and they play back like, their fights with each other. Oh, yeah. I was oh. like. And then Jason's like, it only gets better. I'm like, this feels like worse. <laughs> by, by yes, by it only gets better, he means it only gets much worse. Yeah, I was just like, this isn't for me. <laughs> Okay, well, then maybe you wouldn't like it. But if you're a fan of Black Mirror like I am, you would like Coherence. It's on Hulu. Okay, I'll tell my um, husband to watch it. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. No, no, sorry, sorry. I was just saying I can't believe she did that. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I was like, this bitch. Oh, I was no. like, oh, you're like, not stop you. Recording. That was not good. <laughs> Okay.